Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Free Kick, the Fantasy W podcast. We're back with yet another team overview and the last of our AFLW teams that played in Season 6, the Western Bulldogs. I'm your host, Jono, and joining me today are my co-hosts, Mel and Will. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Oh, guys, it's been a long journey to this point, but, you know, we're finally getting through our 14th team. Yeah, it's been a fantastic journey, but very happy to have got through everything now. Yep, 18 clubs in 18 days was ambitious, but on the other side, I feel like we're just starting our world of pain as we go into the expansion clubs where we don't know a whole lot. <laughs> there, are, there are certainly a lot of unknowns there, but before we get on to them a little bit later, I am very excited to kick off with the Bulldogs because, geez, they are a very relevant team. Again, they've got a lot of good superstars, and I don't want to just rush through this because there's a couple that I am looking at bringing into my side. So look, mm. let's start off with an overview of the Bulldogs' time in the AFLW. Will, do you want to run us through them? Yeah, absolutely. And it's good to be talking about a team that we do still know a bit about. So the Bulldogs, one of the inaugural teams, started in the AFLW in 2017, started as one of the more successful clubs, thanks to a number of superstar players that they managed to get in their early recruitment periods and managed to win themselves a premiership in 2018, defeating Brisbane. Since then, they've probably been a bit on the, the decline a bit, still been a strong side, but have probably suffered a bit from players leaving to, to other expansion clubs. They're coached by Nathan Burke and they're captained by Ali Blackburn, who has been the captain since the 2019 season three. Yeah, I, I do think the exodus that has come out of that team, because that 2018 premiership was, was really just an incredible team. There was so much talent coming in there to knock off the Brisbane Lions. Look, I'm going to do something we don't usually do here, and I'm going to make a bit of an AFL men's comparison because I see a lot of similarities between the Hawthorne, you know, triple premiership team of 2013 to 2015. Of course it's Hawthorne, yeah. Uh, Look, I see a lot of similarities there where you had this this great team, and then after 2015 uh, or even just through that period, the Hawks started just bleeding superstar players to other clubs. You had... Buddy Franklin go off north to Sydney. You had Hodge go up to Brisbane. Sam Mitchell head off to the West Coast Eagles. Jordan Lewis off to Melbourne. And it really, it just brought the Hawks into a world of pain where we're trying to replace, you know, we're trying to play a similar game style, which we know is successful. But, you know, without that same caliber of play, you're trying to find people to, to replace it. And you can sort of see the same thing has happened to the Bulldogs. That side that won in 2018 uh, listen to the quality. Oh, of, yeah, yeah. Listen, listen to the quality of players that is headed off. I mean, you had their captain at the time, Katie Brennan and Mon Conti, head off to Richmond in that expansion year. You had Emma Carney, you know, six-time All Australian, as well as Gemma Britton and Kim Rennie head off to North Melbourne. Libby Birch head off to Melbourne, and then in this last expansion period, you had Bonnie Toogood and Brooke Lachlan heading off to Essendon and Sydney, respectively, which is just a wealth of talent to lose. That's not even including Izzy Huntington, former pick number one, who went via trade as well. Mm. It's it's a lot, I have to say. And of course, some others as well. But these are just those those names that everyone recognises because the headline absolute superstars, and they're not playing for Bulldogs anymore. I think a lot of people actually also forget that the Bulldogs actually won that 2018 premiership without Katie Brennan playing on the day. She was actually out suspended. (laughs) That just speaks to the star quality that they had. That one of their biggest names, their captain 
wasn't playing in a grand final and they still managed to get over the line. Yeah, absolutely. The one thing that I don't mind from a fantasy perspective, though, about losing all those superstars is that you do have new players coming into the team and a bit of opportunity pop up. And I think it's, it's going to mean that the Bulldogs are going to continue to be a little bit relevant this season. What's that phrase that Liam has said a couple of times? Crisis breeds opportunity or something? <laughs> Classic example. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, look, let's let's get stuck into some of the players that we might have on our watch list heading into the season. And if we're starting with defenders, I think the the first opportunity there, which we want to talk about, is one that's potentially already happened. So, last season in round one, Izzy Huntington uh, went down with an ACL injury, which was obviously quite devastating for her. But it did mean that we had Katie Lynch jump into that key defensive role. And she had a fantastic season. Uh, Mel, I think you brought her into your team last year. I did. I brought her in towards the end. Uh, And she was one that I had been wanting to bring in for a while, but didn't really have the opportunity. Uh, And boy, am I glad that I waited because uh, (laughs) she was just getting more and more expensive as she kept racking up the points every week and looked like she was getting better and better. She had a, a small shocker towards the end there. Yeah, no, she was incredibly fantasy relevant and especially so because uh, 2022 or season six really was her breakout year. She um, came in a little bit cheaper and then just absolutely skyrocketed. Did either of you guys have her? Yeah, I I picked her up as well when I needed a forward upgrade and there was a patch of three games in the middle of the year just after I picked her up where she scored an 82, a 72 and a 71 where it was based on the back of a really strong marking game and it just showed some absolutely amazing fantasy potential for, for a player back there. Uh, you did mention that shocker, and, and we'll, we'll talk a bit about the role, but she's playing quite a bit as a sort of an intercepting kick mark defender. So what her role is going forward is going to be quite interesting. Yeah, I think the Bulldogs really show off what we were talking about in that one of those early podcasts about what type of defenders you want to target because mm-hmm. they've got a couple key defenders there in Katie Lynch and Eleanor Brown, who both averaged over 50 last season. And then they've got a few smaller running players back there, all of whom averaged under 50, some of them really dropping away to you know the, the 20s and 30s. Yeah, it's very surprising that key defenders for the Bulldogs were actually where we were looking at the value. It's very unusual for, for the fantasy side of things for key defenders to be the main picks. I suppose my question is, with Katie Lynch averaging so well last season and Eleanor Brown averaging you know, 50.7, I think it was, are either of them on our radar to bring in this season? And I think, Will, you had a bit of a theory there about their new recruit, Millie Brown. Yeah, the way the Bulldogs' defence is going to line up this year is going to really dictate how you go about looking at these defenders. So... We talked a bit about Katie Lynch's uh, shocker score that she had, and that shocker score was a score of 11 against Collingwood in round eight. And one of the reasons she did have this shocker of a game was because in that game, she was playing entirely as a lockdown key defender. So she wasn't doing that, running around, getting intercept marks, getting involved in the play. She was entirely focused on stopping one player. So if she goes back to being a, a third tall type player where she's taking those marks, if she's putting up those 70s and 80s, She's almost, to me, one of the players that you should be looking at possibly as a starting option because she'll be underpriced. A lot of this comes down to new recruit Millie Brown. So Millie Brown's played her entire career at Geelong as a key defender. So if she does come into that defense, 
it is possible that she will free up players like Katie Lynch to score more as less of that lockdown role. However, and you can speak a bit to this, Jono, there's been a bit of talk about her that she might actually be making a switch up forward. Yeah, I think we'll get to it when we get to the forward section, but with Bonnie Toogood leaving that forward line, there really is a need up there for a bit of forward presence. They've got 10 goals they need to replace from last season. Mm. Millie Brown's definitely got a very strong contested mark, and if that that is one option that they could consider to, to sort of shore up that line, in which case Katie Lynch would need to you know, be holding down that key position post. I have to say that that 11 last year was devastating. I think that was the round that I brought her in because, you know, of course it was. So I'm, yeah. I'm really hopeful that that you're right. She does actually play down in defence, free up Katie Lynch. Also worth noting that the week after she scored that 11, she scored another eight. So it, it, mm. it's super interesting because she's, the, she's possibly going to be one of the most fantasy relevant players in that back line, or she's just going to go back to being another... 50-ish average defender, which isn't a huge amount of interest. So I think it's going to be quite interesting to watch this preseason, see whether Brown goes forward or stays back and what role Katie Lynch is playing regardless. Because if you've got other players who are playing that um, key defensive role, so maybe an Izzy Grant does a bit more of a lockdown role, Eleanor Brown takes a bit more responsibility. If she is doing that, that running around role, getting those disposals and taking those marks, I, I think she's a fantastic option to start with. But Gee, it's a big risk. Mm. Would you bring her in if she was just playing the lockdown role? Absolutely not. I think the the, the ability for a player like that to just not score is mm. too much of a risk. Even at a score that could theoretically be underpriced based on what she's she's scored later in the season. Like she's got four scores over 70. Yet if she's scoring under those scores, it's gonna yep, be still too risky. But if you do want to take the risk on a player who will probably be priced around about that 56 and she does end up averaging around that 70, 80 mark, you could be getting an absolute bargain. But once again, big risk. Yeah, it's it's a good call out because she did start the season with a run of 40s as she was clearly getting used to the role. And then she really took off those 70s and 80s. Those are priceless. You can't get those from a lot of defenders, particularly defenders that stay as defenders. Yeah. You know, like that's That's something where a lot of the... If we look at across all the different teams, a lot of the high-scoring defenders in fantasy last year are going to be listed as midfielders this year. And it's actually going to be, I suppose, finding defenders that play that defensive role that are going to score high. I don't know if there's a high-scoring backline than those few Bulldogs there, to be honest. Yeah, with the exception of Ruby Slasher, you're going to find very few key defenders who are going to be able to put up scores like Katie Lynch is, but entirely role-dependent. I think the only other player back there that I would consider for my team is probably Naomi Ferries, who averaged uh, about 50 last year. Very consistent performer. My biggest question is she had a one ceiling score of 75 last season, but there are a lot of those, you know, 35 to 55 scores in a season. And I just don't think you would like, it's good to have that consistency, but I really can't see it going up, particularly if Millie Brown comes into the team. What consistency are you looking at? She goes 60-40, 60-40. Not looking right. super consistent to me. Oh, man. I, I've, I definitely was looking at a, a little bit of consistency. I know it's it, it's all within the range of like 15 points, most of her scores. There's really just the one score that I would say is an outlier, which is at 75. I, I think mm. the thing with Naomi Farris is she is the experience, the cool head back there. And that's 
generally not a fantasy friendly role because they're usually doing a lot of directing and a lot of just helping out when needed. Very good player, fantastic leader for the young back line, but I think, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't be looking at her as, a, as, an, as an option, especially to start. All right, well, moving on to the midfield then. The Bulldogs do have some of the superstars of the competition there in Ellie Blackburn and Kirsty Lamb. Ellie Blackburn is an absolute superstar of the comp, if we can start with her. I, I talk up Hayley Miller as my favourite player all the time with that sort of bursting out of the front of the stoppage energy that she brings to Frio. Will, you keep telling me that Ellie Blackburn is, is the original here. Yeah, Ellie Blackburn's been doing this since the first season. It's one of the reasons she's one of my absolute favourite players to watch. She has always been that dominant stoppage player where she uses that burst of speed to get out the back and she's always been a goal-kicking midfielder, which is priceless for fantasy. And one of the things that I really like about Ellie Blackburn as a fantasy option, throughout her career, she has never had a career average under – a season average, rather, under 70. So yeah. She's what I would call consistent. And and one of the things I think is quite interesting is she had a bit of a an interrupted year last season as pretty much the entire Bulldogs did. But her final round score against Fremantle was 58. She hasn't scored lower than 58 since the 2019 season and in her entire career has never dropped below 40. Yeah, I didn't really have, other than bringing in Lynch towards the end, I actually... Bulldogs was one of the teams that I barely touched in fantasy and therefore it was a team that I never really watched games of for fantasy reasons. The only reason I watched Bulldogs games was to watch Ellie Blackburn because I thought she was such a great player and then it was one of the games I was actually watching the screen and not watching the stats pop up on my computer. So I can uh, I can appreciate how well she plays. She also kicked six goals eight last season. So <laughs> definitely a, a player that hits the scoreboard in the forward half. So do we bring her in or is she going to be too overpriced? It's a hard one. I think at that sort of price, she's going to be priced at around about an average of 78, I think it was last season, which it makes it hard because the value probably isn't quite there, but she does have a high ceiling. She's scored over 120 a couple of times in her career. But I think the, the, the thing with Blackburn is more consistency rather than high scoring. So to me, she's one of those players that if you start with her, great. You're getting a player that every week you're going to be pretty happy scoring between a 70 and a 90. But to me, she's a player that you probably want to be looking at in the back half of the season who you want to upgrade your rookie players to to get a consistent player. Hmm. Her consistency is just so great. It makes me think of like a bit of a baby Bowers, like got a very consistent but high range up there. But also has those those peaks that she can get, although not as high and not as often. But, yeah, yeah she's one I'd love to have, but I'm just, I'm just not sure how she's how I'm going to find the money to fit it all in. Yeah, for sure. And that's why I think she's a very good upgrade target because you're going to want players later in the season who will always score you good points, not necessarily like if they can score the bumper points, fantastic. But if you want a player that you can just put in your team as opposed to a rookie player who's just made you 30, 40 grand, whatever, you, you, she's a player that you can you can bank on to just be very happy with scoring decent scores. I'm going to disagree with you there, only on the basis that I've, I've found a little hidden stat here that I thought you might want to know about. The past few seasons, I, I think that Ellie Blackburn is someone who comes out of the blocks very fast and then tapers off in the back half of the season. 
So last season across the first six rounds, she averaged 85 before dropping down to 70 for the last four games. Season before, in 2021, she started the season with 105, 102, and 120 before dropping off for a few 65 to 85 scores. And then again, in the previous season, I think it was one of her lower scoring seasons throughout her career, but she still started the season about five points higher than she ended that season in 2020. So I'm wondering if it's worth, if you're going to start her, but if you're going to bring her into your team at some point of the season, take that fast start. Yeah, that, that's an interesting gamble to take, actually, because I, I've i just looked at that and those 300 at the start of the year and then last season, 93 and 100. It's, it's an interesting play, actually. And I think she will be somewhat underpriced if that's how she's going to start. She did average uh, 88 in the 2021 season, so season five. So I think I think it's not a bad option to be honest. Like you, you can probably slot her in at your M two or three, mm. and be fairly comfortable that she's going to score you some good points early on. And then if she scores a low one, maybe move her on to. She could be, even be someone that you play instead of Bowers to use as a stepping stone to Bowers. See mm. her a couple of thousand dollars in the first couple of rounds, and then use whatever money you've got from an upgrade to go straight up to Bowers. That actually isn't a bad play. I quite like that. Yeah. But my, my only flag would be how much of the break is going to refresh her for that, hitting the early part of the season hard again. <laughs> I think banking on a player to have a quick start is a, a risky play regardless of how many times Ellie Blackburn has done yeah. it. And it does look like immediately in the game after she gets her high for the season, she gets her low for the season. So she seems to be one that will absolutely exhaust herself to get those amazing, amazing points and then just crumble the next game yeah it's, it's a tough one another superstar in this midfield is Kirsty Lamb and last year one of her best seasons she was all Australian for the first not for the first time was it Will? It was for the first time yes. For the first time yeah so a big season from her and also a goal kicking mid between her and Ellie Blackburn I think they kicked 12 goals coming out of that midfield which is huge huge effort from the midfield yeah, and they really did actually rely a lot on the um, the goal kicking in the midfield, which is not a very sustainable way to go about it. But yeah, those those two were absolute superstars through the middle. It was quite interesting actually with Kirsty Lamb, similar to Ali Blackburn. She probably had her best year or best season rather in season six, Kirsty Lamb, but actually dropped from an average point of view. She went from an average in the in the eighties in. 2021 average of 83 down to an average of 71 but it was that impact forward of center that made her such a great player last season yeah definitely i think it seems a risky one to me like but an impressive player to watch is kind of how i put it because between the two of them they they're going to play exactly the same role that they did last season i know they've got a you know a few young midfielders coming through but i i see those two playing the same role that they did last season and I don't know if necessarily Kirsty Lamb's going to have much of an improvement on on that average. Yeah, I think you could probably bank away a seventy five average for Kirsty Lamb, and that's that's good. You're going to score some pretty good scores in there, but it's it's a hard one to say. Yep, I'm going to bank that because you're going to probably get a lot of just middling scores. In the absence of too good. Who was she the Bulldogs' leading goal scorer last season? She was. <laughs> Is it going to be partially taken up by Kirsty Lamb? 
I don't think so. I think that they're going to have to look for other forward options, and we'll talk about the forwards shortly. I think midfielders kicking goals is a bonus, and the fact that the Bullers have got two of the best goal-kicking midfielders in, Blackburn and Lamb, is a strength of their side. I reckon Lamb and Blackburn are probably up there with the best one-two midfield combinations in the competition, along with probably Hatchard and Marinoff and Bowers and Miller. But I think the thing about these two is they're impact players, not big possession players, I suppose. What they do with the ball is what makes them such dangerous players. And we, we spoke a bit to that with Kirsty Lamb, where despite the fact she, her average in fantasy dropped by almost 10 points, she made the All-Australian this, this uh, past season because of her increased impact going forward. And I think that's part of the reason that I'm not as interested in Kirsty Lamb as a fantasy option is because what she does with the ball is fantastic, but it doesn't quite push her into that elite in terms of fantasy. So is there anyone in the midfield you guys are interested in? Well, yes. And I want to I want to keep us moving forward. There's, outside of Kirsty Lamb and Ellie Blackburn, they've got a very clear set of players moving through behind them in You've got Elizabeth Giorgio Stathis, who uh, was pick nine in the 2019 AFLW draft. She probably brings the most defensive pressure in that midfield, just under five tackles a game. And then Jessica Fitzgerald backs her up as well, pick number two in the 2020 draft. Looking at them, I think they're, they're still quite young. I, I don't necessarily see either of them having a particularly good fantasy game about them. And there are a few players behind them in Amanda Ling, Elizabeth Snell, and Gemma Lagoya, who are coming through getting games, but I don't necessarily think they're going to be taking over from these these Jets in the middle. What I am very excited about is the wings of the Western Bulldogs because there's a little bit going on there. So last season, we saw Ellie Bennett's and Isabel Pritchard taking up those wing spots. Isabel Pritchard was listed as a defender, so having her back there was pretty fantastic. Probably not as relevant this season with a, a 46 average last year. You don't really want that from a midfielder. Just quickly, Pritchard was a player that I was super interested in last season for that exact reason. The scoring didn't quite eventuate, but I think there's one there for the future, as you're saying, John. Yeah, so what really interests me is Riley Wilcox, who was the Bulldogs' first pick in the draft this past season. Uh, she's 158 centimetres only, was originally playing as a small forward over at the, the Northern Knights, but... She also, when she jumped into the Vic Metro team, she started playing as a winger for them, and she was fantastic. I'm wondering if she's going to be listed as a forward and then be playing on the wing over someone like Ellie Bennett or, or Pritchard. Yeah, it's an interesting one, and I think Wilcox is one of those players that is probably a good shout for an early season debut just on the back of that NAB League form. If she is a forward and gets that wing role, hugely relevant rookie. You, you can't do much better than 20 disposals with 15 kicks. So very kick heavy, which is really good for, for fantasy. But she really does feel like that stat line as well. So five and a half marks per game, three and a half tackles. If you've got a rookie, even if she comes in and averages somewhere between 40 and 50, fantastic for, for a rookie and probably has some potential to, to go up above that as well. There is the caveat that a lot of young players, even if they have been playing through the midfield at junior level, do sometimes start their career in the forward line just because it's a, a less difficult role. Mm. If she does come in and is playing as a small forward, I mean, she'll be a playing rookie, so that's already a plus, but yeah. it just means that that ability to define space and hit those kicks in on the wing won't be there, which means that her 
ability to generate money and, and score those points may not be as, as we're hoping. Yeah, what really interests me is that most teams have a few players run through the wings because it's, it's a hard endurance role. You need a lot of forward and defensive running there. And one player that's left the Bulldogs over the past season is Brooke Lockland. She was playing mostly as a small forward last year, but she did have a few stints on the wings. And that's, that's something they don't have now. So if they need someone outside of Bennett's and Pritchard, who, do they, who would they turn to outside of Wilcox? I don't, I don't think I know anyone. I actually want to throw you a, a player, whether she plays on those wing roles, I'm not sure, but she's played a fair bit of her time as, as a rover and also as a forward, is Gabby Newton, who's been missing the last season with a shoulder rico. So she'll be very cheaply priced, only averaged 42 in 2021. But in a debut season, which was she was the number one pick, averaged 65. Hmm. And so if she can come in, she'll be at a very discounted price for missing the entire season, is a, a, a big-bodied player, so can play in that midfield, can play across the ground. She's a player that I'm really interested in if she does get early game time because she's got a scoring history and is one of those players that's clearly talented, clearly athletic, might be a really good option to go and score you a lot of points from an alternative area. Not 100% sure where she'll give it, get picked, hopefully as a forward, because if she's named as a forward, absolute bargain. Yeah, that's that's not a bad shout, actually. So that'd be, what, average of 65, 30% discount. We're probably looking somewhere in the average, 40s. Average of 43. Average of 43. 43. Wow, all right, so we really discounted then. Oof. Yeah. Is she well and truly over that shoulder injury? Uh, I'm not 100% sure on that. I think that she is building up her fitness base at the moment. So it may, may not be a round one option, mm. but she's a player that if she is in the selection frame early in the season, I think there's heaps of value there and I'm really interested in as a fantasy option. Mm. Good name to remember then. Yeah, definitely. So it sounds like we're keeping an eye out for both Gabby Newton and Riley Wilcox in that round one team. And another one that I can see playing on the wing potentially is the second player they took in the draft this season, which was Keely Coyne. She was picked 29 overall, but she also, she played on the opposite wing to Riley Wilcox for Vic Metro. So she's definitely got the skills to play inside, but also up forward, which is that, that was actually part of when Mick Sandry, the head of the list management at the Bulldogs, when he was talking through all the different players that they'd recruited, he definitely mentioned that she was a, a good option up forward. So I would be a little bit more hesitant there. I think the half forward wing mix for the Bulldogs is going to be a really interesting one. We've said it in every single episode, but it's one to watch preseason because there could be some real value there. We've been, we've been waiting for this the whole episode. Why don't we just jump straight into the forward line? Because as we know, there's a huge departure from the team in Bonnie too. Good there. Kicked 10 goals last season, made the all Australian squad. So we'll, coming off a, a fantastic season herself, that's, that's going to be a hard one to replace. So how do we think that they structure themselves up forward? Well, the obvious one for me is they're going to need a tall target. And that's where there's been some talk of Millie Brown going up forward. An interesting decision there, given her career has entirely been down back, but I can completely see why that's an option. But for me, I think people are really underselling Nell Morris-Dalton, maybe not as a fantasy option necessarily, but I think she's a really talented young key position player who probably represents the next, the next big forward for the Bulldogs. 
showed some really promising signs in, in season six and is really one to watch in uh, season seven. Yeah, she was their second highest goal kicker in season six with seven goals. So definitely likes a bit of the, the push and shove up forward as well. I can, I can very much see her being a big target up there. I suppose the question is, do you need two tall options? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because I think the other one that they've got is is Rochelle Cranston. Rocky Cranston can kind of play a bit, bit of any sort of role that they need her to. She's good at ground level, but she's she's big and she's strong, so she can play as that sort of undersized tall forward. So it's, it kind of lends to that question with Millie Brown, which is, do they need a second genuine tall? I think that the way they play, they're quite a run and gun team. They like to move the ball quickly. I think a smaller forward line probably suits their game style, having maybe both Morris Dalton and maybe one of a resting ruck such as Alice Edmonds up forward. Alice Edmonds did come in last season as a replacement for Gabby Newton. Having one of those two players basically there just to hit the packs, get the ball to ground and let some of the small forwards kick the goals. I think it suits their game style, but is it the way they want to go forward? I guess that's a wait and see. Yeah, they do really well in spreading out the goal kickers. So I don't think they're necessarily going to struggle to to stay on the scoreboard and following the departure of too good. I guess just from a fantasy perspective, then nothing here is looking particularly exciting other than maybe potentially that Millie Brown. But even like looking at Cranston, very inconsistent on the downward, not super fantasy relevant. Morris Dalton, I know that you've said these are great players and really essential to... Bulldogs having a good season, but um, nothing really exciting here from a stats perspective for me. Yeah, I completely agree with you there, Mel. As we've said, the, the interest with the Bulldogs is from the forward perspective is probably from some of those players we mentioned in our midfield chat, which mm. is the, the Newtons, the Wilcoxes, the players who are going to be undervalued or rookie price that can probably make you the money because they've, they've got a, a, a quite a spread in the forward line where you're probably not going to have a big scorer they're probably just going to share it around a bit and all average somewhere in the 30 to 50 range which isn't terribly interesting from a fantasy side of things but yeah i think they're, they're an interesting team to watch not necessarily from a fantasy point of view from a fantasy sense heidi woodley is probably one that might be worth considering she was another one of the bulldogs draft picks if they're going to turn to a smaller forward line i can see her coming into the side and providing them an extra option to run through there However, small forwards, definitely a risky option and and one that they've got a lot of players running through there. So that job security might be a bit of a concern. Yeah, speedy small forwards, fantastic to watch, but really hard to get around from a fantasy perspective. But again, playing rookies are uh, very valuable. So if you see an early opportunity, not the worst person to, to pull into your side to, to make you a bit of money. I guess my thinking is we've done a lot of teams where they've lost one or two kind of key players and that breeds a lot of opportunity and then we can get really excited who's going to pick up those points but just because of how much talent Bulldogs have lost and there's so like yes we love a playing a playing rookie but there's so much uncertainty around who those are going to be and uh, all of these new players coming in it just feels like everything's a bit of a watch for this kind of team as a whole. Yeah and I think the other thing about it is the players that they've left that have left recently probably aren't in hugely fantasy relevant roles because Bonnie too good as she was a fantastic fantasy player last year, but that key forward role normally isn't one that you're generally looking at from a fantasy side of things. She was more a bit of an outlier in that sense. And 
Same with Brooke Lachlan, very good player, plays that mid-half forward role. So that's kind of where we're looking at where there might be the value. But otherwise, we're not. there's not a whole lot of movement that's fantasy interesting. Yeah, I've got to say, this whole team just kind of a bit there. They kind of finish, you know, middling of the ladder. It means they're not really super exciting on the defence side or the forward side. They're just kind of hanging out, playing some games. All right, well... I want to shut that conversation down right now because I've got one thing that I want to end on, which I think is potentially one of the most fantasy relevant people. And most importantly, Liam's not here to shut it down. We have a set and forget rock option. Get stuff, Liam. Get out of here. <laughs> oh, none of this dual rookie rock madness. From Liam. Uh, I, I'm We're sick of having this bloody conversation. Yeah, these bloody conversations. Every time he's like, oh, just go a rookie rock. No, this is this is the option. And I'm thrilled that we're talking about it. So Celine Moody. Celine Moody is uh, Bulldogs' ruck. Clearly their, their best ruck option. Last season, Nathan Burke was opting to go with those, that dual ruck setup with Alice Edmonds. But there are a lot, of, a lot of good things lining up here. So you could see last season that she was improving wildly, particularly in the back half of the season. Uh, she averaged something like 66 across her last five games as opposed to, I think it was in the low 40s in the first half of the season. And that was off the back of only 63% time on ground. So she, splitting her ruck, she wasn't necessarily going forward. When she wasn't rucking, she was heading to the bench. There's a lot of, I suppose, really promising signs from a fantasy sense that she can be one of the best rucks coming into this season. The question is, is she going to be sharing with Alice Edmonds again? See, and I'm, is that enough to scare us off? Yeah, I'm going to throw this to you, actually, because you say, oh, she's going to be dual rucking with Alice Edmonds. Is that a worry? From round six last season, Celine Moody did not drop below 60 points. So five consecutive games over 60. Fantastic. Yeah. So even if she is sharing, is it a big deal? And that's the thing is, in those games, Alice Edmonds played every single one of those games except for one. Yeah. So even if she is sharing the ruck role, it probably isn't a big worry. And I think Celine Mooney is a, Moody is a huge chance to emulate her sister and become one of those really premium ruck options. And one of the things that we've talked about in other episodes, and Liam in particular is big on this, is watching for that almost uh, exponential growth in fantasy scores. And over the past three seasons, she's gone 18, 35, 55. That growth is just going up and up and up. Mm. So if there was ever a ruck option that we've looked at that has the ability to go from a lower price premium to an uber premium ruck, Celine Moody is your player. Yeah, her chart, just looking at the AFLW stats, has one of the steepest inclines over a four-year period that I think I've seen at all <laughs> across any of these players. And it is particularly exciting, especially if we think, I mean, she's got a couple of 30-somethings baked into that one. If she can have a season seven without those 30-somethings or with a slightly, I think you said 63% time on ground, Jono, even maintaining that or a little bit higher potentially, she could be unstoppable. I'm really hoping that with a bit of a shortage of tall forwards, that at the very least she just stays on ground and has a little bit of a go up forward because there's a lot of promise there. I, I genuinely think that she's one I'm going to be, when I create my very first side, I'm going to see what it looks like with Celine Moody in it. I think you've actually just talked me into it, Jono, because I'm very interested here. And Jono's just given us a fist pump there. 
yes, get stuff, Liam, get out of here. <laughs> Does she have any forward experience though? Or is this going to be her first? Under- well, that's the thing. We don't want her in the forward line. What we want actually yeah. is Edmonds playing forward. And this is where the Millie Brown recruitment. <laughs> Millie Brown's become such an, a focal point for this whole discussion, despite the fact that she <laughs> is in fantasy element. Because what happens with Millie Brown dictates essentially the entirety of how the Bulldogs line up. If yeah. Brown starts in the back line, it means that Katie Lynch is probably fantasy relevant. It also means that Alice Edmonds is probably a forward, which means mm. Colleen Moody gets the full-time rock position, which means mm. she's a great option. If Millie Brown doesn't go back and she starts in the forward line, that's where things might get iffy. Yeah, that's when the only... If, if Millie Brown's listed as a forward, then Alice Edmonds probably needs to be out of the team for me to be as confident as I am right now. Mm. But it's very tempting. It's very tempting. All right. Well, that might be our overview for the Western Bulldogs. And I'm very excited that tomorrow we're going to be moving on to the expansion sides coming into the competition for the first time. Uh, we've got the Essendon Bombers, the Hawthorne Hawks, Port Adelaide Power and Sydney Swans coming in. There are so many unknowns about these teams. How are they going to line up for round one? How competitive are they going to be? What game style are they going to play? But most importantly for our purposes, who is going to be fantasy relevant? Sounds like something that we might need some uh, player input to get some of those information. Mm. Certainly, certainly will. But the, the benefit here, I suppose, of these expansion sides, and it's something we've alluded to a little bit, is that when teams are lining up for the first time, we're going to have people who previously were not that fantasy relevant and they're going to come out and have really big seasons for us. So to give you an example, I think, Will, you were talking about Emma Swanson before and some of the seasons she had moving from GWS over the West Coast. Yeah, Emma Swanson played a fair bit across half back when she was at the GWS Giants, and that meant that she probably wasn't scoring as she we know she can. Uh, was averaging in the sort of high 30s in the later stages of her career at GWS. Moved to the Eagles and all of a sudden got much more midfield time. Still played a bit off halfback, but went from an average in those 30s straight up to 60 plus. And we saw last season that culminated in a season where she averaged 88, which is phenomenal scoring. So it's you're really looking for players who are starved of that proper midfield opportunity. That's the main one that you're looking for, who can go from being a, a you know lower scoring, maybe forward or defender to being a really higher scoring midfielder, hopefully while they're still listed as a forward or a defender. Yeah, lots of role changes, lots of team changes. And the last time that we're going to be able to, I mean, I know we've only just started playing fantasy, but, you know, now we've got 18 clubs. So it's going to be the, the last big shuffle, which is just so fitting that we get to go into our se- second season of playing fantasy and watch all of this unfold at the same time. Yeah, super exciting. It's also super exciting to just see so many girls who, probably are at the level who haven't had the chance just get their time to shine they get to go out on the big stage and really strut their stuff so it's fantastic for the game fantastic for for footy in general it's it's wonderful to watch yeah 100 percent. well look keep an eye out for our first expansion club episode tomorrow the best 21 out in our socials you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram if you want to follow us at freekickwpod i'm on twitter at the handle odds and steven I'm on Instagram at willh underscore vi. I'm on Instagram as hi Mel D. We'll catch you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye.